Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 98, real talk about money mindset and breaking through money blocks. So this is a really special episode. It's actually a conversation that I had on an Instagram TV show with my friend, Toby Fairley. She invited me on to talk all about money mindset, money blocks, generational programming, and why it's so important that now during this pandemic in particular, we focus on how we're thinking about money because there's a chance that we're going to pass it on to future generations. All of those thoughts, all of that programming is stuff that's going to be passed down unless we're super aware of how we're showing up when it comes to money, abundance, and the way that we're thinking about what's possible for us now and in the future. So I'd love for you to dive into this. Like I said, it's very conversational. It's all about real talk, giving it to you straight, all about money mindset and how you can go to the next financial level. This episode is sponsored by the I Heart Money Virtual Workshop. So amidst a pandemic where we're all unable to travel, we want to bring our best content and money mindset training to you virtually. We are hosting an incredible two-day workshop on May 14th and 15th that is ready and available for you to dive into. We are hosting this live and giving you access for a fraction of the cost. All you have to do is use the promo code INSIDER. When you go to our website, iheartmylife.com, you'll be able to see the workshop and use that promo code to get 75% off of the normal ticket price. This workshop, like I said, is a two-day experience where I'm going to be teaching my best money mindset content. I'm also going to be walking you through how to identify your money blocks. We're going to be breaking out into breakout rooms where you get to connect with other like-minded women who are going for their dreams, who want to create more wealth in their life. I'm also going to be bringing on some expert coaches to teach you how to make more money through high performance, through marketing, and through getting clear on what you need to do to get more productive and set goals. It's all available for you on the 14th and 15th of May. So go ahead and head to iheartmylife.com. Look for information about our money workshop. Then you can type in your promo code INSIDER and register for only $23. This workshop, like I said, is two full days. So it is worth far more than $23. You're going to want to take advantage of this opportunity because we all know that things are about to turn around. Things are about to change and you have to be ready. Your mindset has to be prepped for what's to come. Abundance truly is your birthright. So let's go ahead and make it happen. Let's do it. Let's transform your bank account together and get you to your next money milestone. Who's afraid to talk about money? (laughs) Um, How many of you were taught that talking about money is a bad idea? It's in bad taste. (laughs) But we're going to kick that to the curb today. So everybody, this is Emily, and she's going to be on my podcast soon, and you guys will learn a lot from that episode, but we're kind of trumping our own episode and jumping in and introducing you to the to my audience, um, and today I, wanted, I thought it'd be fun to specifically talk about money and money mindset, because I know you do a lot of work in that area, right? Yes, it's my favorite topic. My dad claims that money was the first word I ever spoke, which I don't know if that's true, but I love it because I talk about it all the time. I love that too. My dad has lots of money jokes about me too. One of which was the fact that I went to college for so long. Like I I kept going back to college and getting more degrees and more degrees and more degrees. And every time, I mean, I had jobs here and there, 
Um, but of course, I was always asking my parents, hey, would y'all like to help me pay for this other degree? And finally, I graduated like after nine years and three degrees. And people were like, why did Toby go to college so long? And my dad's favorite line was because she couldn't take the pay cut, meaning <laughs> I was on his on his dime all those years. Yeah. That's so so uh, now it's been a whole lot of years since I've been on his dime or at least completely on his dime. I'm sure he'd be like, yeah, right all the vacations we go on. I don't pay for any of those. Um, but I do love making money like you. And it's so fun. And I think for a lot of people, it's a dirty word. It's a scary subject. It's full of baggage, all that stuff. And that's what I want to, I want to talk about today. So take us on the, take us on a path of how we should start thinking about money, especially in times like this, right? Because I, the first thing I saw a bunch of people do with um, the pandemic was immediately believe they had to stop selling and they couldn't say anything about money or making money or charging because it was like in bad taste or something to that effect. Totally. So, well, first I want to say I am wearing clothes. I have something strapless on, so it looks a little bit <laughs> <laughs> scandalous like that. It looks um, pretty. But anyway, so yes. So I'm not sure what your audience knows about money mindset. So I'm just going to back up a little bit. Just give us, the, yeah, give us the whole, just in case they don't know, like yeah. just start, start us from the beginning. Perfect. So our mindset around money is normally set by the time we're seven or eight years old, based mm-hmm. on what we've learned about money from our parents and into our adulthood, into our businesses. And as you can imagine, if you're operating with your parents' beliefs or your grandparents' beliefs, it might not serve you based on what it is that they believe about money. And so especially female entrepreneurs and business owners, there's a lot of stuff wrapped Mm -hmm. up, like you were saying, in selling and raising prices and even charging for services. And I personally work with a lot of coaches. Yeah, I work with a lot of coaches and they're always like, well, how can I charge for helping people? And it's crazy the beliefs that we bring into our businesses that are stopping us from not only impacting the world, but keeping us broke. And so my favorite topic is helping people identify what those beliefs actually are and then supporting them and shifting those thoughts so that they Mm -hmm. can be making more money than they ever dreamed possible and serving more clients. I love it. So what are some of those like the most common? Because we're so we think we're so unique. We think we're like the little special snowflakes or special unicorns and that like we all think our scenario is different. Yeah. And our audience is different and where we live is different and our customers are different. I mean, I hear it all the time. No, Toby, you just don't understand where I live or the people I help. But the truth is we're all almost exactly the same, right? And so I know we have like the same kind of common like money mindset blocks or issues or things that are getting in our way. So what are some of those main things that get in the way? Well, one of the craziest ones that I didn't even know existed until I started doing this work was essentially a fear of success. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of beliefs that women in particular have around being bad with money and they get freaked out about what's going to happen when they make more money. Um, And so sometimes it's like, you know, I'm not going to be able to handle that amount of money or what if people are going to expect me to pay for everything or what if I'm bad with money and I make it and then I lose it. And there's all these what if scenarios around Mm -hmm. making more money. And Mm -hmm. you have to understand, and we talked about this on the podcast, Mm -hmm. that if you're, if you're scared of doing something, then subconsciously, you're going to block yourself from ever doing it and from Mm -hmm. achieving that goal. And so there's all these, these 
goals that women set around hitting six figures, hitting seven figures, whatever Mm -hmm. that milestone is, but innately they're actually scared of reaching that level because of what they believe is going to happen in their life. Maybe they'll be judged. Maybe, like I said, they'll lose all the money. And so there's all these fears wrapped up around hitting those milestones. So they Mm -hmm. never actually achieve them. Yeah, that's so true. And I'm with you. Like I, I actually knew, I mean, I guess I knew it was sort of a thing. Like I had heard fear of success. And I used to think that was dumb. I'm like, that's so dumb. Like, why would anybody be afraid of being successful? But then the more I was in business and the more I understood it, it's kind of like each tier that you grow, you, it's like the expectations are raised or you think they're going to be, and you have farther to fall, you, you know, like all of those things. It's like, well, if that happens, and isn't that a funny thing that we'd be like, well, I'd hate to have an abundance of money just in case I lose it all. So let me just not ever make it. And I'll be way safer if I just stay broke or poor, right? Than actually allowing myself to do something that then might be taken away from me. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. it's a huge one. And I think we have to really kind of what I like to call follow the fear and ask ask ourselves, you know, what is this fear that's holding me back? What's stopping me from making more money? And then get get in reality around, is this actually ever going to happen? And Mm -hmm. maybe it will. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, even if it did, even if your family did expect you to pay for things, you're allowed to say no, it's your money. Totally. You know, even if you didn't know how to handle the money, there are people out there who can come in and manage your wealth. So we have all these crazy scenarios that are stopping us from reaching our goals and we never actually follow them and really think about what we would do if that did actually happen. Yeah. And I think where our mind is so um, programmed to find all the negatives, right? Because when we're thinking of like, what if I had to pay for everything? And then all of a sudden I think of like, you know, my dad or other friends I know that have, you know, the kind of an abundance of money in. And it's so fun to get to pay for things for other people. It's kind of like, I'd love to be the person who literally just has a table of 20 people at a, a, you know, a hundred dollar a plate restaurant and just goes, I've got the bill. And like, how fun is that to be in that abundant place? Yet we're like, oh, I'd hate for someone to expect something of me. And I think we also, um, isn't it true? And this may be a separate one, or it may be the other side of this. We also just attach a lot of things. Like if we have a lot of money, we make it mean something about us. Like then we'll be greedy or then we'll be like have more than our share or something. I find it funny to think that like just because we got money, money, we suddenly became greedy because I think there's greedy people with money, but there's also greedy people without money. Right. And well, you like, want to know my favorite way yeah. to answer that. Yeah. Money makes you more of who you already are. Exactly. So if you're a generous person, it's going to be magnified. Like you said, you're going to be that person hosting the 20 person dinners and being mm-hmm. generous. And then if yes. you're greedy and you love hoarding money and you're always in fear around money, well, you're going to be more of that. Yes. So you don't have anything to worry about. If you are somebody who is generous and kind, that's going to be magnified. I love that so much because that's one of the first ones people attach to it, right? Because somebody in their family said, um, and I think also like, let's go down that path a little bit too, because isn't it true also that a lot of people um, are afraid that someone in their family is going to start judging them because that person already has a preconceived notion about how people with money are, right? So maybe they grew up um, without a lot or, you know, somehow maybe their family or their parents worked for the guy that had a lot of money, but they always felt either inferior or like they were somehow disadvantaged. And so 
they've created a belief system around what people with money are like. And it's only really based on a person or a handful of people. It has no basis in reality of, like you said, all the other people that are amazing and generous and wonderful with money, right? So, so what happens when that's in our life and we're like, oh, I can't because my husband or my mother or my grandmother or somebody is going to not like me anymore if I have a lot of money. So I'm going to say something that maybe your audience will freak out a little bit about. I but love I things believe- that freak us out. <laughs> I can't wait. I believe that it's our duty to be as wealthy as possible because when we have, when we have more money in the bank, we're able to contribute to the world. We're able to give back. We're able to be more generous. We're able to move things forward for our family and for generations to come. And so when you think about it from that perspective, and there's been lots of books written on this, you can check out Mm -hmm. the science of getting rich by Wallace D. Waddles. He's an expert on the topic Mm -hmm. and he talks a lot about how it's our duty to be wealthy. I love that so much. Yeah. And so I really think about it in that way, because I know what's possible for me when I have more in the bank and how I do want to contribute. And so you need to start to shift your thinking. And yes, there are people in your life who are going to judge you, honestly, regardless. (laughs) So I'll talk about them in a second. Mm -hmm. But -hmm. you need to think about all the ways in which you're going to contribute to the world as you yourself become more wealthy. And when I thought when I literally listed out all of those reasons and all of those things I was going to be able to do as my Mm -hmm. bank account increased, that's what fueled me. And it was no longer the fear of judgment that was running the show. It was like, okay, well, this is my desire. This is the change I can make in the world. And I'm going to move forward regardless of whatever that person thinks. Exactly. Because if you think of the difference of like all the fear-based stuff and it's like so, like so small and, and hidden and, and not stepping into what you can be or the other version of like what you can do in the world. It almost feels to me like Oprah where she's like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Like you move yourself into that energy of like, I can give money to this and I can pay for this and I can help this person and I can take my family to this place. And it feels like you can just say yes to your heart's desire in so many ways because money, I mean, money's not everything. Let's be clear. Money doesn't make us happy, but it does pay for a lot of amazing experiences. It pays to better other people's lives. It pays to make your life easier. It pays to help you grow and reach more people. So it has amazing qualities and things that it can afford us to do, right? Yeah. I mean, even thinking about people like Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, Mm -hmm. I know that she, during this pandemic, has set up a a fund of $5 million for female small business owners. And how amazing to be able to have that amount of money to be able to give back to the world. And that's what we're talking about here. And the reality is, like I said, your family Mm -hmm. and friends, there are people who are going to judge you regardless. And so you have to decide whether you're going to allow that to stop you. And frankly, I hope that you you don't because the thing is, is as you put yourself out there, as you live in a different way and you start to show people what's possible, I've seen this time and time again, even the most skeptical parents or spouses, they end up coming around and they're like, oh my gosh, thank you for showing me that this was possible. Thank you for changing our lives. Thank you. Yes. For even my mom reading the science of getting rich in the car or not in the car, listening to it in the car. Uh-huh. It was like, uh-huh. I can't believe she's messaging me, telling me she's listening to money mindset stuff. And yes. so we have a, an opportunity to impact people and to change the mindsets of our friends and family. And again, mm-hmm. it's our duty to do so. 
Yeah, I agree with you. So the things that I've noticed so much are those very things, like you said, like Sarah Blakely giving $5 million or other celebrities or other people that literally are just, you know, writing a check for a million dollars to New York City to help with, you know, what's happening there. Or even something I saw last week was um, my mentor, Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School. She had to cancel an event literally at the last hour, like the day everything was shutting down. And a lot of people were very upset with her because they had already flown into Dallas and all this. So like a, a few days ago, I get an email and she's like, you know what, a lot of you were really upset and that really broke my heart. I was really, I was not intending to cancel. So if you just reply to this email and submit your hotel expenses and your airfare and all of your travel expenses, we're going to reimburse you for everything you spent to get here. And she made $27 million last year. So if she wants to spend however many hundreds of thousands of dollars that might be for the four or 500 people that were coming to this event and literally just pay you back. She absolutely can feel like she has the option and feels so good. And it just, of course I didn't, I didn't go. I canceled a hotel. I can't remember if I had any charges. Of course I didn't submit it, but the other option was like, if you don't want the money back, go ahead and turn in what your expenses were and we'll donate that amount to a charity. And so it was so fun, like you're saying, like to envision what kind of amazing, abundant life you can move yourself into if you're willing to get over these blocks and fears and go out and create that kind of existence and see the power of it. Yeah, so cool. I love that example. That's so beautiful. Yeah, so fun. So you were going to say in a minute, you you were like, okay, hold that thought. I'll go back to some of those other thoughts and people in a minute and like some of the fears. So was there, you remember, I can't remember where we were headed. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it was just around this fear of judgment from family members. mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just have to remember, like, especially as you dive into money mindset work yourself, you're going to be looking at life through a different lens. And not everyone is doing the same work as you. And so there will be the chance that your husband or your wife or your mother, father, friends, they won't understand your decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you see this all the time with your clients as they're Mm -hmm. moving forward with businesses. Some of the the people in their immediate circle are like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Like, this doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. I have no Mm -hmm. idea what's going on. But that's why it's so important to have communities and to have mentors like you, Toby, where mm-hmm. people can feel supported regardless of what's happening in their social circle. And like I said, we just have to remember what we're put on this earth to do and the money that we're capable of creating. And remember that like our friends and family, they're looking at life through their own lenses. It doesn't yeah. mean they're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean yeah. they're never going to come around. It's just, they're looking at life in a different way. Yeah. And that's okay. And we don't have to, we don't, a lot of times I think once we start learning something or get excited about something, we feel like suddenly it's our job to go fix everybody else's thinking. And I think that that's kind of what you're saying is it's okay for other people to come along at their own pace or to never come along. And it doesn't have to change how you show up or what you're willing to do. Right. Totally. I'm going to plug in my phone here. It just told me it's low. But I'm curious to know, like, I feel like we should share what we've had to move through. So what was one of your top money blocks that you had to move through? So the funny thing for me is I, um, one of my main ones, I always have enjoyed money and I didn't think it was a bad thing. But what I realized about myself when I started doing money mindset work, and I really started focusing on it probably four or five years ago, um, when I hit sort of a ceiling, because it was, it wasn't that hard for me to create a million dollar business, but to get 
you know, like in the seven, low seven figures I can get to, but like getting beyond that, which is where I'm still like try, working my way to the eight figure business. I was like, okay, there's, there's some stuff here. I've hit the ceiling. What is the ceiling? What? And I started kind of excavating. And one of the things I realized about myself, and there's some tricky ones, right? That we don't even know we're doing. I essentially had this, um, this kind of mindset that my dad was the guy with the money. And I was the like child that was working my way up to one day having the money, right? And so I don't know if you've read the book, The Big Leap, but there's some mm-hmm. stuff in there about like yeah. not outshining or not abandoning. And it was kind of in that realm and I wasn't even conscious of it. But in my mind, like I, there were still almost like even subconsciously like years ahead of me until I would arrive at the point where I was the one with the money, the matriarch or the elder or the whatever. And until then, it was like I was supposed to be on kind of like this, a little bit of a struggle bus, a little bit of the hustle bus to the making money. And so I realized like as long as I felt like it was like the the next level of money that I was going for was somewhere out there instead of possible today, that I was making decisions that weren't really moving the needle to get to that amount of money, right? It was like, I'll do that later or there'll be time or I was getting stuck in a lot of the sort of your to-do list is killing your your business sort of mindset a little bit and the, the, the tasking instead of going, what are the big key shifts that make me be the person that could have any amount of money right now today at whatever age I am. And I think it's so funny because we do that to ourselves a lot. Like when X happens, then Y. And so I kind of had to readjust and be like, no, we can both have a lot of money or which blows my mind. And I haven't hit this yet. I could even have more money than he has while we're both living, like not when my parents are gone. Like, and so those were huge, tricky things that I had to unearth and because we'll hold ourselves in sort of our rightful place accidentally. And I think part of it was because my parents are so generous and they've always loved, you know, taking everybody on vacations or buying things for the grandkids or whatever. And at some, some subconscious level, maybe I wasn't um, creating a level of abundance where I would take that away from them. Funny, like, like the fact that if I had a ton of money, an abundance of money that I couldn't still let them pay for us to go on a vacation if they wanted to or buy something for my child, right? But these sneaky things uh, creep in and we don't even know we're believing them. So that was the biggest one for me that I was like, no, I can also be, um, and I think this happens as a woman too. So it wasn't just the child of my parents, which was a little bit of it, but I think it was also just stepping into being a woman who could make that level of money. Mm, I love that. And so Mm -hmm. did you just follow the fear and realize like this would be the worst case scenario and I'd be able to handle that or how did you do it? Yeah. And I just really kind of just made a decision. Like I found it funny. Like at first I was almost believing, yeah, like the fear. And I think the hidden fear and for all of us, for any of these things is some level of rejection or abandonment. And it's usually unfounded. So when I was doing the work with the big leap and I was going through that book and, and, and if you follow the fear, I'm like, well, that's hilarious. Like my parents are going to be mad if right. I, I mean, they're going to be like, hell yes. Those make three degrees more, are worth it. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Like, what yeah. else can we do with this? How much more fun can we have? How much, you know, how many more people can we bring along? And I remember 
way back when I was probably, oh, I don't know, 18 or 19, I was started listening to Tony Robbins' uh, personal power, like back on the DVDs, I would stay up at night and you're too young for that probably, but it was on infomercials <laughs> I and, I, and I bought of it, I bought it in college, like off of, a, of an infomercial and started listening. And he used to say, talk about this. And he was like, you know, people want to tell you it's lonely at the top. And he's like, it's not lonely at the top. Yes, it's less crowded up there. But he's like, if you make that much money, you just bring all your friends with you. And so I always keep that in mind because a lot of us know that Tony Robbins owns an island in Fiji and he does, you know, he makes billions of dollars. And he's like, you know, Richard Branson does the same thing and brings everybody to Necker Island or wherever his place is. Like if you create that kind of abundant wealth, you can, it's not lonely at all. In fact, you could feel more connected if you wanted to, if you choose to, um, with your abundance. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I had to just follow it and go, that's ridiculous. Um, and nobody had ever said anything to make me feel like I couldn't make a certain amount of money. It was just some level of sort of taking my rightful place in like the family tree, yeah. Um, you know, I, I haven't like become the elder yet. And I was like, and then I, when I woke up to it, I was like, oh girl, you're wasting time. Let's go. Come on. Speed Amazing. this up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I love this work because most of the time, you know, it obviously it can stem from certain things in childhood, but there are a lot of self-imposed limitations that we yeah. put on ourselves. And mm -hmm. until we actually do the inner work, like everyone thinks it's about another strategy and I'm a, a business and success coach. So of course I love strategy, but mm -hmm. if you don't, you haven't done the mindset work, you're not going to put out the strategy. You're not no. going to get on camera. You're not going to raise your prices. It's essential. Absolutely. Yeah. What about you? What was your biggest money block so far that you found? Um, so for me, when I was first starting and you've heard this story, I had a month where I made $442, oh, yeah. but, but literally within 18 months, I had created a seven figure business. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I really, um, feel shifted that, that mindset for me was getting better at sales. Mm -hmm. And it was seriously just like one little shift that made all the difference because there was a period of time where I had 54 no's in a row, like literally 54 people said no to me on all these calls. So and good. I love that you're talking about this. Cause I bet like 90% of the people watching and my audience are right in that spot. They believe they're not good at sales. They believe selling is horrible and feels uncomfortable and they're not, they'd never even get to 54 because they'd quit at three or four. Right. I love this. Okay. So you got 54 in a row. And yeah, then, and that's a good point because uh -huh. at the time it sucked, but people kept saying to me, how are you even booking 54 calls? <laughs> um, but that's another story. So I realized that I was scared of helping people with their money story. And uh -huh. what I realized is I was being too nice on these calls and I would uh -huh. get people saying, oh yeah, I really want to work with you. This sounds amazing. And then the next breath they would say, but I don't have the time. I don't have the money. And I would just be like, oh, okay, no worries. Nice to meet you. Bye. And I realized I needed to take it a step further and I needed to be able to see what maybe they couldn't see for themselves, which was mm -hmm. this, this big picture vision. Like I always say, I build people's empires in my mind before they can even see it most of the time. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so it was my duty to actually hold them accountable to this vision that they were mm -hmm. saying that they wanted or that I could see for them and ask the questions. And so instead of when someone said, I don't have the money, I started saying, oh, well, 
can we explore that a little bit? Like, let's see if we can find the money. Let's take a look at your options or how much money would you actually need to be able to put down a deposit? Like, and actually Mm -hmm. be willing to have the conversation. And I think for a lot of women just talking about money, it's, it like makes you, you know, go white in the face. They would never do that. I love how gutsy and bold that is because it's so true. Cause you're like, let's solve a problem. Right. And then of course you immediately weed out the people who were just trying to use that as an excuse to get off the phone with you. Cause they didn't really exactly. want to commit to the work. And then they're like, Oh, Oh, well, you know, actually now I think about it, it's not really the money. It's just, it's not right for me. And it gets people to be honest because money's an easy excuse for people to use, right? When they're putting up a barrier to, to themselves. And so you, is it really a money problem or is it something else? And I love that you did that. So if it really yeah. was, I'm sure they were, a lot of people were grateful that you actually helped them think creatively about how to solve this problem, right? Exactly. And it was also a shift mm-hmm. in my mindset because I no longer went into a sales call buying anyone's money excuses. Because for me personally, mm-hmm. like I was $30,000 in credit card debt, $90,000 in student loan debt when I started my business. I could have used that excuse for every program that I decided yes. to actually invest in. My husband let me yes. use a credit card to invest in my first program. And so I never buy any excuses because frankly, when you believe that money is an abundant resource, resource, that means there's always mm-hmm. more of it. People can always find yes. it. And I, I kind of approach right. sales. And just this. create it. Exactly. Yeah, they can create it if they want to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, like, if this is a matter of life and death, would you be able to find the money? And most of the time, it is a matter of life and death, because I'm personally helping people move forward with their dreams. And do you want to get to the end of your life, having not actually done what you're meant to do? And so I had to be really passionate and adamant with people about Mm -hmm. we can find this money, we can make it happen. I'm not going to give up on you and your dreams. Mm -hmm. And then they were able to feel that energy and get creative um, with how they found the money and how that's so good. And I know that we have that inkling a lot that we want to go there, but we just would be terrified to go there, right? Because of all the same reasons, making someone mad, fear of rejection, getting another no. So instead, we just kind of quit ahead of time and slink away. And yep. not only do we not get the opportunity to work and help these people, but that those people also don't step into their dreams. So it's a lose lose, right? Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing that they can say is, no, I don't want your help to help me find the money. Right. And no one has ever said that to me. Like you said, sometimes they say, well, you know, actually, I just don't think this is the right fit for me. And so the truth comes out, but everyone mm-hmm. wants you to help them find the money. <laughs> I love that. I mean, who doesn't want you to find more money? Like, yes, please find some money for me. Yes, absolutely. That's so good. Okay. So what, like back then, was it just trial and error? Was it your own like journaling and thinking and mindset work? Was it a book? Like what are the resources that you found most helpful to move you in? Besides the one you've already mentioned, um, the book you've already mentioned that helped you even thinking about sales strategies and learning about that. Is there any kind of, of source for that for people to go to besides you, of course? Yeah, no, I mean, for me, it was working with coaches. So yeah, mm-hmm. I have programs. I have a program called I Heart Money, where I teach people how to do all of this. But mm-hmm. definitely reading the book I just recommended was The Science of Getting Rich. There's also mm-hmm. another one called How Rich People Think. And mm-hmm. for me, like, it was really just channeling the fact that I know there's more than enough money out there for all of us. And so mm-hmm. I go into sales calls believing that everyone has a rich grandma. And so they're going <laughs> to either hit up grandma, yeah. we're going to take out a loan, like, we'll get creative with it. They'll sell something to make the money. 
And I really had to reprogram my own mindset around that first and foremost. And so if anyone wants to help other people with their mindset, then you have to do it for yourself first. And so yeah, I would go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Well, I was was just going to say, I love that so much because it reminds me of one of my coaches, Bev, um, who who I worked with on this. And she said, um, she's a life coach as well. And she said, you know, what I, what she learned, and I loved this, this kind of shift was that she noticed that every time she was just doing the kind of like slink away and being okay, letting people off the hook, that she was really disrespecting those people. She was really kind of almost dumbing them down and not giving them the opportunity to rise to the challenge and show themselves and you what they're made of, right? So she said, I stopped taking no for an answer because that was just like me being okay, like kind of approving them quitting on themselves and being mediocre. And she was like, I was doing that in my mind in a sense, judging them. And she said, when I just started believing that they absolutely had what it takes, like you're saying to come up with the money and it didn't matter where it was from. They could make it. They could, it could be the rich grandma. It could be a husband. It could be their trust fund. It could be anything. It could be any selling something. She's like, when I started believing that they could rise to the challenge, she's like, it blew my mind how many people rose to the challenge. And in that process, she's like, it wasn't just to help me and sell my thing. Like it made them a better person and it moved them on the path of becoming their own, you know, wealthiest version of themselves because they showed themselves what was possible. And she's like, if I hadn't expected a lot of them, they might not have tried that. So I loved that shift. It's kind of like, to me, almost like parenting. That you're like, oh, yeah, like my child's just, they're just not going to, they're not very smart. They're not going to do much. Of course, you would never do that. You're going to be like, of course, they're going to be amazing. And you expect a lot of them and then they rise to the challenge. Yet we're doing this every day with our clients of just being like, okay, fine. Just, you know, live a mediocre life. It doesn't, no skin off my back. Um, But we're doing not only a disservice to us, it's really to them too. Yeah. And I saw this in my own life. When people believed in me, it gave me so much more confidence and Mm -hmm. for people to take the time to say, you know, I see this in you and I think you're ready for the next level and let's make this happen. And, you know, and of course, come at it with a generosity and, and a kindness about you. It's not about just making the sale. It's about supporting people and moving forward. And I know that that made all the difference to me. And so I feel like it's my mm-hmm. duty to really hold people to a higher standard yeah. than what they're holding themselves and exactly. their potential. I love that so much. That's so good. So, so good. Um, and yeah, I think that gives us permission in a whole other way. Because when we see ourselves as kind of helping everybody rise instead of what a lot of people that come from scarcity mindset, we believe when we sell, we're taking something from somebody. Like we don't even see it as an exchange of value, right? It's not like, well, they give me something and I give them something back. Like I see so many people that are like, I'm taking this out of the, their, I'm taking food out of their kids' mouths. I'm taking money out of their kids' college fund or some like negative story that comes from that scarcity place of believing Um, like we're doing something wrong. And I think it's so interesting because we'll not sell for that reason. Yet, if we're being honest with ourselves, like we have nothing to do with how much money those people are going to spend or not spend at, at the end of the day. Like, for example, we might think, well, I feel so much better about myself that I didn't talk them into buying this course 
because they get to keep their money. But the truth is a lot of the, the people would spend it anyway and spend it on something far less valuable without a return. Um, and so it's kind of like, well, if people are going to be, you know, spending their money anyway, and if that's really kind of none of your business of how they spend their money, why not at least be offering something that could make a big difference in their life, right? Yeah. And I think if you're coming at it with that mindset, you really have to ask yourself, are you selling to yourself first and foremost every single day? And what I mean by that is you have to remind yourself that what you're offering the world matters. Yes. And if you're going into doubt and lack of confidence and thinking that people should go out and, I don't know, buy a purse over your course, like get into reality around you know, what is your course actually doing for the world? Mm -hmm. What is your program? What is your service? And remind yourself every single day. And money mindset transformation really takes a commitment to you reprogramming your mind, just like any other software that needs an update. That's what your Mm -hmm. mind is. And Mm -hmm. so for me, that came from me reading books, I had post it notes around my house with simple phrases like, I always have enough money for all my desires, or I'm Mm -hmm. a money magnet, I started actually setting financial goals and making a plan to reach them, which Sounds super obvious, but so many people are scared of setting goals because they're like, oh, what if I don't reach it? And I'm like, well, you're not going to if you don't even have a goal. Yeah. And I think even to take that a step further, it's like they'll have one goal for the whole year and then they'll look at the end of the year and see if they met it instead of doing the math and saying, well, if that's that much for a year, then how much of it is is it for a month and how much is it for a week and how much is it for a day? Because we can't just ignore it for six months or nine months or 12 months and then go, well, did we hit it? Of course, that's like, you know, trying to drive to a certain destination, but like not using a map. We're just going to like get in the car and hope five hours from now we end up in the spot we were hoping to get there from. Like you have to be measuring and adjusting and turning and moving and navigating, right? The whole time. And I think um, if they set one at all, it's probably not very well thought out and they're certainly not measuring it. And what I know from money mindset work, from manifesting money work, any of that stuff, You've got to be looking at it and thinking about it and basically being in love with this process every day, right? Yeah. Oh, no, I love that. And I saw that one of your um, viewers had a question. Am I okay to answer it? Absolutely. Yeah. So someone said, what do you do when you're in your nine to five, but you're trying to build your business on the side? Mm -hmm. And I love this question because I remember being in my nine to five, I was a matchmaker. And I was trying to build. I, <laughs> I love life. that. Did I hear? Did I miss this part of the story? I don't did think I, I told you, you that. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of random stuff. I was a nanny. I worked at Starbucks. So I was a matchmaker when I started my business. And so I would wake up super early so I could work on my business and then be working into the night. And mm-hmm. I just always remind people that your nine to five or nine to eight or whatever it is, that's something that can fund your dreams. Mm-hmm. And so, so often people have the mindset of, oh, I just need to leave it right away yeah. to be able to quit. And I totally understand that because I felt the same, but it can be that thing that's funding your vision. And it's such a blessing to have that money coming in so that you're not in your business and you're like, you know, trying to um, grasp onto every single person that comes your way or every sale. And so start to shift it because, you know, one of the things we talked about, Toby, with, with my story was I was in a quarter life crisis for about four years and I was depressed. I was anxious. And it was because I was focused on everything I didn't want and what wasn't working. And so mm-hmm. if you're looking to create 
more abundance in your life and move forward with your business so that you can leave your job, the best thing you can do is practice gratitude for your job, for everything else in your life and Mm -hmm. shift your focus on, onto what is actually working. And that will really change things financially, spiritually, mindset wise, everything will shift. Yeah, I agree scenario like I started out of college building my business but I work with tons of people who are in that situation and I agree with you completely and I think people quit their kind of quote day job too soon um and I look to other people that have great stories of this yours is great like looking at Marie Forleo who said she was literally working three or four she was bartending and doing workout videos and doing something else while she was building for three or four years while she was building her business. And I, and I find it so fascinating because I'll watch other people who have the mindset, well, as long as I'm still doing that thing, I can't make space or I can't create the feelings I need to, to like be free to go build my side thing. So they'll go ahead and quit. And for a temp, you know, for a moment, for a short minute, they feel some level of relief and like they have space, but then they've instantly worked themselves, like you're saying, into a scenario where they don't have any money to do the thing that they want to build. And so I watch people try to like, you know, on a shoestring budget, hobble together some little business and make it successful. And you have to have money which is a great part. We can go here too. Like you have to actually have money to really build a successful business. And I think people think it's possible to do that, to build a really successful business without a lot of money. And I think it's just enough hustle will do it or time passing will do it. And the truth is like you can't ever get past some of those sort of glass ceilings and blocks without money, right? And I watch people stay stuck in this place without with just undercapitalized businesses and wondering why they're exhausted and it's not working. So do yeah. you, yeah, talk about that a little bit because I, because I know you agree that it takes money to really build the dream business, right? Yeah. I think you have to be in reality. Like how fast do you want to do this? So mm-hmm. I see people who, like you said, they're trying to do all of it themselves and that's totally fine. There is so much that you can do yourself, mm-hmm. but you have to ask yourself, is that really the fast track to everything mm-hmm. that you desire? And for me, I quickly realized that I was trying to guess at what was going to work. And so I needed to at least invest in a coach to help me. Mm-hmm. And so that was really my first move. I waited far mm-hmm. too long to hire team members. That's a different story, but you know, really, <laughs> thinking about what is going to be that thing that's going to help you reach your goal what is that part if it's going to get you to your goals faster then it should be a big Mm -hmm. yes and it should be that thing that you go all in on and I I do want to say though that like I think that there's two sides of the spectrum here I think sometimes people they stay in their day job for far too long and never actually run the numbers and think like okay well I actually only need to sign three clients to be able to leave. And they don't have the specifics down to be able to create that exit plan. So I think you need to kind of know which camp you're in at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because I've had clients, like one of my clients, she had, I think she made $150,000 one year. And she was still in her job three days a week. And she was only making $3,000 a month in that job. And we're like, what are you doing? Um, You have all this time back. And that's the fear, right? And I was going to, yeah. And I was going to say the same thing except it wasn't about staying in your job but it's exactly the same thing um about growing your business and staying stuck in the solopreneur doing it all by yourself too long so i think no matter whether whether it's ex, you know leaving your ex, exiting your your day job 
or kind of exiting the part of the hustle of two or three at all and then moving into the um, hiring employees or consultants or hiring other people, um, I think that people stay too long. And I think the thing that take that makes them stay too long is like you're saying, they just don't do the math. So they keep, like I watch people all the time just tell themselves this story of I can't afford it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I totally believe you should outsource things. And yeah, I totally believe you should get a VA or a copywriter or an assistant or a whatever. But, and they believe they can't afford it. But when we really start to dig into it, they haven't even, they don't even really know how much it costs. They don't even really know what numbers they're talking about. They're just blanket. I can't afford that yet. And so they stay stuck where they are. And then I'm like, well, what, what do you even actually need? And have you priced two or three people and put that on paper? Because if it's what, $1,200 or $500 or $700 or $7,000, like it, when you know the number and you're talking real math, like you can break down the process to fund it. And that's the same thing, whether you're leaving a job, whether you're starting a new revenue stream, whether you're trying to grow and start having employees, it's all about not being afraid to look at the real actual math of the process, right? Oh, exactly. And it's the same mm -hmm. thing for anything. So I do a lot of work around desires and what people actually want to create for their life. And mm -hmm. sometimes people will say, oh yeah, I want to take this trip. And they haven't even done the research. They have no yes. idea how much it costs. And so I always say we need to practice living as if, and that doesn't mean that you go out and you hire the person right now, but at least start researching and putting feelers out there to find the right mm -hmm. person so that you're not scrambling, at least do the research and see, okay, well, this trip costs this amount. And I want to stay yes. in this hotel because if you're completely blocked off and not even allowing yourself to go there, then it's going to be further and further down the line and you're going to self-sabotage, never actually allow it in. And the thing with desires is it's like our body is designed to reject certain, certain things that aren't serving us. So, mm -hmm. you know, germs and diseases and our body is designed to release that. And so with your desires, you have to connect with your desires. And that means actually acknowledging, acknowledging that they exist mm -hmm. so that your body doesn't reject them. Because right now, if you're making yourself wrong, or you're telling yourself you can't afford it, then it's going to be it's going to be always out here. And so you yes. literally have to bring it in as possible and trigger. That's so good. I love that. So much. I think it's so true. And I think people have some level of um, almost like expectation or fear that if you price a potential employee or, or contract laborer, if you have a, a, a travel agent price a trip for you, if you walk in and price a car in a car dealership, if you go look at a house and get a price on it, that somehow there's some obligation that you then have to move forward on it. And I think it's so important. And you were saying this earlier, no matter how much money you make or have or don't have, you still are in charge of deciding how you're going to spend it, how you're going to use it, how you're going to give it away. And like you, we literally have the right to get any amount of information and research we want to. And that does not, if we haven't signed a contract of some sort, obligate us to you know, be guaranteed that we're going to hire people. And sometimes I do that. I, I will price things. And I'm like, you know what? Now that we've thought about that, I want to hire the right person. We're going to wait six months and then we're going to go do this project. And it, it doesn't phase me at all. But there's so many people that wouldn't even do that because they're like, well, if I talk to them, then they're going to start bothering me. Then they're going to start emailing me. Then I'm going to have to let them down that I'm not really going to hire right now. And so they don't even take the steps, right? 
Yeah. And I mean, I am the queen of finding out all the information. And what I've discovered is that when you do that and you actually do the research, things can happen faster than you expect. Yes. And like you said, you still have the choice, but I've been surprised every single time, like when it's something that's going to stretch me, whether it's hiring a new coach or hiring a team member or getting a car, like I now have the motto that everything happens fast for me. Everything happens faster than I expect (laughs) because I actually put myself out there and do the research and ask the questions. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to get anywhere and you're going to always keep things at an arm's length and be of the mindset of I'd love to, but I can't afford it. Yeah. And we don't get leverage on ourselves to take actions. If we don't have anything we're wanting for or that we're planning for or that we have priced already. Right. Cause you're like, you've said, it's so much easier to sit on the couch or sit on the sidelines or not do the thing. But the minute you're like, I want this thing that costs, 5,000, 50,000, whatever it is, then you start thinking, ooh, how do I break that down? How many of such and such do I have to sell or how many months would it take? And it moves you into action, which is so, so good. I love this. This conversation was so great. So is there anything else that we didn't cover that's like a key, key thing or did we cover it all? We might have uh, like the basics. There's so much more to learn, but like, um, because so, I mean, it was juicy and awesome. And I loved it. Yeah, I am seeing some familiar faces here jumping on. It's awesome. So the only thing I wanted to say is we're in a really interesting time, obviously, with the pandemic and with everything we're mm-hmm. experiencing. And I think people need to understand that we have a really incredible opportunity to decide how we want to handle this and really think mm-hmm. about your five months from now, five years, 30 years from now. When you're going back and you're telling the story of the pandemic and really decide how you want to have shown up, especially uh, when it comes to money, because there are tons of money stories Mm -hmm. and programming that's been passed down from generations from the war and from the depression that we're still Mm -hmm. holding on to today and using to operate our business and make decisions. And so I think it's really important that we remember that this is only one chapter of our lives. It doesn't mean that there's not money out there. It doesn't mean that people aren't spending money. So Peloton has a waiting list, right? Like my clients and I keep joking about that, but it's a really easy reminder that people are spending money. And so don't allow yourself to go into fear and don't pass on any money fear to your kids or to future generations because Mm -hmm. of what you're experiencing now. Even if you've lost everything, even if it feels like the clients aren't coming in, you have an opportunity to shift your mindset. And instead of going into fear, get creative about what's next for you. Look at this challenge as something that's making you stronger and something that's inviting you. I always say money is your coach, something that's inviting you to step up to the plate or pivot or do something different or serve your clients in a different way. There's so many opportunities. I love that so much. And I love that reminder. Thank you for that because it is really fun and I really feel good. And you said the same thing, I think. And and I just spoke, I just did a podcast interview. She was saying the same thing of uh, like in the last recession, like how that was a pe- like that moved us forward in some way. And, um, oh, well, because of similar to this, I built my whole coaching and consulting business. And so now this time when we hit something, I didn't feel the same fears. And so for everybody that's right now in that spot where they're like, this has been painful and felt miserable and felt hard, 
instead of, like you said, your story later going, oh, well, that the pandemic just completely killed my business and put me out of business, their story could absolutely be, that was the moment that I built this amazing thing that you currently are seeing and experiencing. And we've all seen those memes, I think, that were like, in recessions, all the businesses that were built. I saw one not too long ago during this pandemic that was like, Uber was built in the last recession. And um, I can't, Netflix, like there was a whole bunch of things that were, that came out of a lot of the last recession. And it's some of the stuff that we use every day right now that are our favorite things. And they didn't even exist before that. Yet a lot of us are choosing to believe that this is what's going to shut us down instead of using this as that excuse to move forward. So I love that you reminded that. It's so, so good. Amazing. Thank you. Thank Thank you. You're welcome. Well, everybody, you guys can find Emily by, of course, clicking her link right here and going and following her on Instagram. And then you can find out all about her company. And she's also going to be a guest really soon on the Design You podcast. So that episode, I don't remember when, but it's in just a few weeks, will be coming out. So you can get so much more from her. But um, this was just awesome, amazing. I'm going to go back and listen to it again. I'm going to go back and check myself again. And that's the <laughs> thing about stuff like this, right? Like you have to keep doing the work and keep checking in and see if you hit another block that you didn't know was there. Like it's a lifelong process, right? The work is never done. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It well, thank you though. so much. Thank Bye everybody. Thank you for being Bye. here. I can tell already they loved it, right? Lots of comments. So thank you so Love much it. and I'll see you again soon. Okay. Bye Toby. Bye everyone. Bye guys. I hope you loved today's episode. And as I said earlier, you can go ahead and join us for the iHeartMoney virtual workshop happening on May 14th and 15th. This is where you are actually going to experience everything Toby and I talked about in this conversation. You're going to remove all of your money blocks so that you can go to the next financial level, make more money, transform your life and your family's lives. And who doesn't want that? So go to iHeartMyLife.com to learn more and join us on the iHeartMoney money virtual workshop. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.